Hi everyone, uh, welcome to our weekly sermon. Um, our sermon today is on oaths. It's from Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 to 37. And um, it is the continuation of our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. And so if you haven't read that passage, go ahead and read it. If you have, uh, let's talk about this. You know, last week we talked about divorce and adultery. And Jesus moves on in his teaching um, to go from this teaching of divorce and adultery to oaths or promises. And I want to address this now. I'll talk about it in a second. But it's actually, it's been a really hard week for me personally. Um, I wrote it in the newsletter this week that, you know, the situation in the United States is, is difficult for me as an American. Um, and we've all had times like this if, if we've lived abroad where something has happened at home or where we come from that's really disarming and really difficult to process. And so, um, you know, and even this last week as we record this now um, on Thursday before Sunday, um, you know, protests about racial inequality are sort of spreading around the world. Uh, it's sort of an interesting time. We go right from this pandemic um, where everyone seems unified and we're all in this together to now this um, people are angry and people are upset and people are confused. And so my hope and prayer is that this sermon would bring some encouragement, um, would bring some truth from the scriptures um, from our Lord Jesus Christ. Because right now, this is what I've been seeking is encouragement. Um, because some of these things are really difficult. And so let's go ahead and get started, and uh, I'll address some of the current events in a minute. So Jesus starts out in Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. He says, you have heard it said, right, again, referencing the Old Testament, um, that we should not break oaths we make to the Lord. The Old Testament command is actually found in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 21 through 23. Uh, and, and it's basically saying in Deuteronomy to the Israelites, if you make a vow to the Lord, you need to fulfill that vow, right? And coming right off the teaching of divorce from Jesus, we sort of understand this, right? He's telling the married people, hey, you need to stay married. And then he expands this issue to everyone. Say, so if you make a commitment, if you make a promise, if you make a vow, if you make an oath, keep them, right? Keep the vows you have made to the Lord especially, but also to one another. But then he goes in, as he has been doing and will continue to do on the Sermon on the Mount with verse 34 and 35, to expand on our potential understanding of this law. And he says, I tell you, in fact, you shouldn't do it at all. You should not make oaths at all. Don't swear by heaven, by earth, by Jerusalem. We should not swear. And then he goes into something that I think is kind of funny. He even says in verse 36, don't swear by yourself either, because even you cannot control your own body. Right? He says, why would you swear by yourself? You can't even stop hair from becoming gray, basically, is my paraphrase from verse 36. Why do we think we are in control enough to even swear by ourselves? And then he finishes in verse 37 with a simple state, statement. He says, just say yes. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. This is echoed by Jesus' brother in James chapter 5. And when we look at this for today, it's sort of interesting. Um, Part of it, we have to understand the customs at the time. When Jesus was teaching, many of the Pharisees and teachers of the law would, um, apparently, from things I read, would make these great oaths and these great promises and, and sort of swear by Jerusalem and the earth and the heavens. And it was sort of a way of um, really adding an emphasis to a point or really adding, um, like, this is absolutely true, you know, to the end of a statement. 
Um, and, and it is sort of a way to sound really impressive or serious. And, and the examples I saw um, were kind of like we talk about today. You know, when we look at this, some people might do the same thing. Oh, I swear by my life that this is true. Or, oh, I swear on whatever it might be that this is truthful, right? Um, I swear as, as surely as the sun will rise tomorrow that I will do this thing, right? Um, but it's not as common today. Um, so what does this mean for us? I don't know about you, but we don't often hear people swearing by themselves or by heaven or earth. So what do we do with this? Um, two things I think we need to look at. The first thing is what we say and promise to God. When we think about oaths and Jesus is teaching on oaths, we want to think about what we're saying and promising to God. And then the second thing I want to look at is what we say and promise to one another. So first to God and then second to one another. Um, I want to read you something from the Old Testament. As we know, Jesus was coming to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. And this thing Jesus is teaching is actually constant throughout the Old Testament as well. In the prophet Amos, chapter 5, uh, Amos writes this from the words of God to the people of Judah. He says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. God says to the people of Judah in verse 23, Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never failing stream. In the Old Testament, Judah would go through all of the motions of their worship. They would have these great festivals and make their sacrifices. But God finally said, no, enough is enough. Because long before Jesus ever came, the Israelites would make promises to God in their worship. And they would, they would make sacrifices and atonement for their sins, but they would never change. The people of Israel were making promises and oaths to God in worship. But their lives were not reflecting those promises. Their lives were not reflecting the things God cared about. See, what was happening is they would make an oath in worship that they had no intention of keeping. While their hands and lips were praising God in worship and in sacrifices, the scriptures tell us that their, their hands and, and feet, when they would leave these things, would oppress and trample on the poor. And what Jesus is saying here that we need to think about is it's not the words that we say, but it's the, the life that we lead. It's the life that we live. So when we think about oaths, first think of what are the oaths we make to God? What are the promises we're making to God? Because this is still very relevant for us today. We need to consider what are we saying and promising to our God? Are we presenting ourselves as children of God? Living holy lives, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week? Or are we making oaths to God that we're really not intending to keep? Because as I said, we see it all throughout the Old Testament. We see it all throughout Scripture. And this is something that God is not really a big fan of. Church, if I can be really honest with you, to make an empty promise to God is sin. And even though we may desire to please God with our promise, if we do not fulfill this promise, Scripture tells us that this actually separates us from God. 
To live a double life keeps us far away from God. And though we may worship on Sundays, what we do throughout the week matters a good deal. And so the first thing I just want you to consider in your own head, in your own heart, is what are the promises and oaths we're making to God? And then the second thing is, is what are the promises and the oaths we make to one another? Are we making promises to each other that we just can't keep? Are we making promises to family, to friends, to our children that we can't keep? Because when we even do this with one another, our words and our promises reflect back on God. Don't they? If we present ourselves as Christians in this world, then if we break our oaths and promises to one another, what does that do to the name of the Lord and His witness in this world? This this command that Jesus is talking about with oaths is actually very closely related to the command in the Ten Commandments to not use the Lord's name in vain. To not speak ill of God, do not speak ill on behalf of God. And we see this all over history. I mean, this is one of the biggest arguments against Christianity, isn't it? People throughout history have used the name of God, have used the church, have used the name of Jesus to do horrible, horrible things. When people present themselves as one thing and then act in a different way, we know the word for that, don't we? In English, it's a hypocrite. And oftentimes, this is an argument we hear about Christianity. Well, Christians are just hypocrites. We know that when these things happen, when we make oaths to one another or to God and we do not fulfill them, that it actually hurts our witness. It keeps people from knowing about the love of Jesus because they're so turned off by the hypocrisy in the church. People are turned off to the reconciling power of Jesus Christ because Christians have made oaths they cannot keep or had no intention of keeping in the first place. Now, how does this look for us today? It's pretty simple, right? One of the ways we see it a lot these days is with people's online presence. Um, You know, one day someone may post a Bible verse talking about how great God is, and the next day they post something filled with hate or anger. We see it in our actions. At church, we praise God with our lips. But then when we get home on Sunday afternoon, we're short-tempered, and we yell at the people we love the most in this world. At work, we, we may, on our way, read the Bible towards work to work. And, and, and we read about God's justice and His charity, but then by lunchtime, we've forgotten about it, and we're seeking profits and wealth by any means possible. We may claim the name of Jesus one night in Bible study, and then the next day, you'll find yourself students cheating on a test, or cutting corners, or lying to your teachers. Are we making promises God or to people that we have no intention of keeping. Um, And this is tough for me right now because I have to confess something. Um, I have to confess how I've done this to you this week. Um, Studying this text, I became very angry because of what's happening in, in the U.S. especially right now. So many people, politicians, leaders saying one thing but acting a different way. People hurting the witness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by trying to identify with Jesus as a Christian and doing things that are so inherently against what God and Jesus came to teach us. Um, I should also mention, I am not very political. 
Um, as you may have seen in the, the weekly update letter, um, I'm sad and I'm upset, but this week I got really angry because of something that happened. Um, on Monday, something made me happen that actually made me irate, not just angry. Um, maybe indignant is a better word. Um, this week, the President of the United States was so bold as to stand in front of a church holding a Bible for a photo op. Um, he had a photo shoot to try and affiliate himself with the God of the universe that desires justice and righteousness. And, and minutes before this photo session, he was threatening to bring in the military against protesters. Even minutes before that, he used tear gas on peaceful protesters so that he could walk across the street for this photo opportunity in front of the church. And then he holds up a Bible and tries to affiliate himself with our God. And I have to admit, um, I'm sad now, but at the time I was angry. Because this is an oath I don't think he intends to keep, to affiliate with our God and with our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I was mad. I was really mad and I didn't know what to say in my sermon. And so I actually reached out to a friend of mine who's a pastor in Los Angeles. And um, he's going through a hard time now too as a pastor, um, just two blocks from his city, or from his house rather, excuse me, just two blocks from his house. All the businesses are boarded up um, because of rioting and looting. And um, I asked him for wisdom because I trust him. And I said, what do I do? You know, how do I work in these feelings I'm feeling with my sermon? And um, he reminded me of 1 Timothy 1.15. In my anger, this is what he said to me. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Church, I repent of my anger. I repent of my desire to want to use this platform as a way to share my anger with you. What I'd like to do is instead share with you the heart of Jesus. We all have things that make us angry. We all have things that make us sad. We all have things that honestly make you want to sometimes curl up in a ball on the ground and cry. And, and, and sometimes they make you want to punch through the wall. But we all need Jesus. We all need Jesus, we all need his forgiveness, and we all need his help. We always want to look at other people and say, that person is the problem. When what we should be doing is looking in the mirror and saying, that person is the problem. You and me are the problem. So first, I, I again, I repent of my anger towards others and my desire to use my sermon to share my personal feelings. Um, I confess that that was wrong, and yet... What I want you to hear is that verse from Timothy. That when we get angry at people and we don't understand things, let us remember that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom you and I are the worst. Sometimes we forget the grace we have received. Sometimes we forget how deep and wide and unending that grace is. And we forget that what we are called to do is to share that love and grace and forgiveness with others. We don't need to make oaths and promises because Jesus, when he lived and walked this earth, made enough oaths and promises for all of us to share with everyone else. 
In fact, Jesus made oaths that give us life. And that is where we should rest. Not in our own promises or our own oaths, but in the teachings of Jesus Christ. Let me read you some of these in case you've forgotten. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. If we are lost and do not know where to go, Jesus says he is the way. If we feel like this world is crashing down around us with darkness and hate, Jesus reminds us that he is the light of the world. If we have fear in our lives of what may come, we we forget the words of Jesus when he said in John 10, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus says, anyone who believes in him shall not die, but have everlasting life. Jesus says he is with us always. When we are troubled and we do not know what to do, or we are angry at other people and we want to judge and we want to condemn others. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Church, if you need more promises of Jesus, get in the word because it's full of them. Jesus makes us so many promises. We don't need to be making promises and oaths because he made enough for all of us. To experience his kingdom, to experience his love, to experience his peace. Jesus made so many promises to you and to me in his life here on earth that we can rest in the loving embrace of our Savior Jesus Christ who lived and died for us, who bought our life at a price and made an oath to us that we would be saved from the sin and the troubles of this world. And so that is where we are called to live. Not in making oaths and promises, trying to fix all of the problems in the world. We are called as brothers and sisters in Christ to rest in the promises and the oaths of Jesus Christ. In that power. Because isn't this what we need right now? Isn't this what the world needs more than anything? The promises of Jesus? The pressure is not on us. The pressure is not on you and me to have the answers. Christ has given us all we need. He has done the work for us. He has taken the pressure off of us. And so let us just live in that truth. Let our yes be yes. Let our no be no. We, you and I, can live in the truth and be free. The world is indeed struggling right now. Protests are popping up around the world. At the time of me writing this, I think on every continent, there's been protests. From Hong Kong to South Africa to Brazil, of course, America, all across Europe. People are seeing oppression, injustice, hate, and they're looking for something. You and I, we don't need to make promises to solve all these problems. We don't need to rest on our own wisdom and our own knowledge. We need to bring the world the promises Jesus made. That there can be peace, that there can be healing, that there can be reconciliation. We don't need to make oaths because Jesus already has. Jesus promised restoration and redemption. Jesus promised healing for the oppressed, for the sick, for the widow, for the downtrodden, for the orphan, the one in prison, all of us. And so, church... You and I, we need the oaths and the promises of Jesus. The world needs the promises of Jesus. Let us be people who bring them that joy.
Let us be people who bring them the words of Christ rather than our own anger, our own hate, or our own ideas of what's best. And let us rest in the teachings of Jesus, who desires us to know love and grace in abundance. May we be those kinds of people. It's my hope and prayer for you and for I as we go forward this week. May the Lord be with you. Hopefully we'll see you soon.